welcome to the seminar. I am only going to tell you the contents of this book and 45 years of ministry in this hour. So uh, we have lots to get through. I've given you two pieces of paper, or I've put two pieces of paper down on most people's chairs or area. Uh, if you can pick those up, we're going to use the big one first. That's a copy of this drawing. My daughter says that's cheating because I gave you a, an outline to uh, what it is. I, I'm not doing uh, a lot of this stuff comes from open air, from the open air training that I was given, but really. When you present the gospel to somebody, uh, on the top of yours, I didn't write it on the top of mine, it says illustrating the gospel. And later on down the bottom, yeah, I'll show you the ladder lettering, and then you can finish the illustrating the gospel uh, at the top of the board. I didn't, I didn't put it on, on this one. Um, but really what we are trying to do is to illustrate the gospel. Uh, uh, from uh, Stimbiso's message last night, he said the man went and published it. Well, how did he publish it? You know, today you could put up a signpost, a billboard. A lot of towns have crosses now and, and different things along that kind of line. There's different ways to publish it. But the, the statement is the same. We need to get out what the gospel actually is. Uh, Clive this morning was complicated, wasn't he? Wasn't he complicated? I mean, he used some words I've never even heard before. Okay, and he wants me to study the methodology of the man that's talking to me. I'm battling enough just to answer the question he's asked me, not understand where he's coming from and where he's going. But it is true, as a good apologetist, you must know all those things. Because, you know, basically people just want to know the answer to their question. If they're sincere, if they're not sincere, then they fall into these categories that Clyde is talking about. And to those guys, quote a verse. I've seen a man get saved. He was anti and against us. And we said, you know, the, the preacher eventually decided, okay, this conversation's gone far enough. And he said, this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. This life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. And the guy said, oh, you don't know the answer to that question. I'll ask you another question. Proving that he's not listening to the answer. He's thinking of the next question. And the man quoted the same verse, same verse, same verse, and the man walked away. The next week when we went back to the open air and we put up the board, the man came over. And everybody thought, you know, it's going to start right from the beginning. And the man came over and said, I'd like to be saved. And we said, uh, you know, a likely story. <laughs> Tell me why you want to be saved. He said, this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. He said, by the way, where do you find that in the Bible? You didn't give the reference. <laughs> but he said, he went away from that meeting and all God did all week was just, he said, I wish I could have found you on Wednesday. I was ready to be saved on Wednesday. But it just went round and round and round. And remember, it's a sword. They don't have to know. You know, I get out my sword and I use it. They don't have to know it's a sword, but it is a sword, so use it. But simplicity. You need to be simple when you present the gospel and show people the truth. Uh, a lot of what I do is surprise. You want people, you know, you, you want to reveal truth to them. You want to show them. Uh, if you're trying to hold people's attention... And you need to do it pretty quickly. 
you only get a small amount of time generally to share with somebody. And uh, when I was in America, the one job that we did was commuter evangelism. And we went down and I pulled out for this young man that came this morning to see the magic tricks. I pulled out my rope trick. And uh, in uh, America is an amazing place. They have millions of people and it's just chaos. And the, the, the tube train, um, a train leaves and the platform is empty. And there are escalators, and they are feeding people in there like water. I mean, it's just... And the first person in there will run over and sit on the bench. There's about, I don't know, 50 benches, and they are three bench, you know, three seats each, and zoop, they're full. And then everybody else stands around until the train comes. And so as soon as the three people sit on the bench, I stepped out from behind the pillar, and I started to show a magic trick. Everybody wants to see a magic trick. And I'm presenting the gospel. One of my colleagues is standing there looking up the platform or looking up the train line to see when the train stops at the next station. When it stops there, there's 30 seconds before it comes from there to here and all these people leave. And so 30 seconds later the train arrives and all these people are going to leave. So that's how much time I have to present the gospel. The first time I did it, I was halfway through my trick when I got the signal to say you have 30 seconds left <laughs> to, to tell people. And then we give our tracts to everybody. But you know, one person took the tract, got on the train, heard what somebody had said, not necessarily what I said, because we don't know who he talked when, when he got it. Went down a couple of stops, got off the train, got on the, went on the other side, came back up, up to our station, got off the train and came over and got saved. Came over to ask us, and then we had time to share the gospel with him properly, and, and he got saved. So... These are the things you're trying to do. And you're trying to hold people's attention. On that other little piece of paper, you'll see there one of the key things uh, is attention. Attention has to do with somebody's body. So in that little blank space that's there, you can write body. Uh, if I go out into the open air, or you're going to do a presentation, if you're going to do something in Sunday school, they are in your Sunday school class. That doesn't mean you have their attention. It just means they're in your class. So you've got to get their attention. I remember one of our, our, our guys was doing a missionary story and he, he talked about uh, the missionary, he went through the jungle and he bought a little pot plant, little pot planty thing and he took out a, a big knife and he went Wah! and chopped off the top of the pot plant. He had every kid's attention. They were like, wow, did you see that? He chopped off the top of that pot plant. You know? But he got their attention and then you can you know, put a little, have a little bit of opportunity. But it has to do with moving people's bones, bringing them over so that you can speak to them and have an opportunity to share with them. So all the time. And if you notice on the bottom of the page, that little page, there's, it looks like a train line. And the bottom line is you are trying to go somewhere and you're trying to stay on the track. Okay, Your end result is you want to be able to present the gospel and ask for a response. But there's you know all the things that Clive mentioned this morning. Those are all the sidetracks, you know, all the things that people will throw or use to try to get off of the rails and go in another direction. And so, you know, Clive's trying to say, okay, this rail goes like this and back into this track and off you go a little further. And so we keep trying to do that. But these things are, are in all the things that we do. Um, one of the things that I do often is I make balloon animals. So this is not a balloon animal, but... Uh, 
It's something that I can do while I talk. I don't have to watch what I'm doing or anything. Uh, the magic tricks that I do and whatever are much the same. Who'd like an apple? Free apple? Okay. Um, and as long as you, you know, I, I went in to pay my lights and water account. Have you had to pay your lights and water account? So, you, you know, I had to go into Germiston. They made a mess up on my bill. And I had to stand in the queue and speak to everybody. And a lot of other people were standing in the queue. So I made a balloon animal. And I gave away my balloon animal to a child. Of course, it was a young black child, and he was scared of me. And so he, he didn't want to take it. So the whole line is encouraging this boy. Take it, you know, go forward. And, you know, and eventually one of the adults took it and handed it to him. And then I took out my John and Romans. And can anybody in the line refuse them? And so I hand out my John and Romans to all the people in the line. Unfortunately, I can't preach in the Ekeleni because they, they take it, the security guard takes a dumb view of that. But once he got his John and Romans, he was quite happy. Um, so lots of things, but it's just simple things, little things that you can have on hand. I have a, a rope trick in my pocket in case I bump into somebody. Last night I was asked, are you going to do magic? I said, yes, come tomorrow and I'll do magic. So there's a recipient here this morning. Or, or a, um, he has the key to everything that you do. You do have to practice. I did this rope trick dozens of times before I did it in public the first time. My balloon animals, you know, they looked a little wonky and, you know, you had to explain what animal this was when you were trying to give it away, uh, you know. But, you know, keep practicing. Practice, practice. Everything that you're going to do, practice it. Look at it. Um, I don't know what Clive's given you. He talked about doing an evangelism a seminar that you've already done. I don't know if you did the, the hands, the, the, the colored pages, okay, the wordless book. Right. So the wordless book that you did was at the blank colored pages, that wordless book. Okay. All right. This is another tool. Uh, it also was called the wordless book. We added words to it um, to help people. Uh, if you're dealing cross-culturally with somebody, you might want to get the one that doesn't have the words because then they don't feel bad about it. And the pictures tell the story. You just have to be able to explain what the pictures say. And the words help you. Okay, it's not a gospel tract. It's not the kind of thing you hand to somebody and they walk away with it. It's a counseling booklet. This is, if, if you came up to me in the open air and said, I want to be saved, that's what I would take out to show you. And I would be able to explain the gospel using the pictures and the words that are there. It has the scriptures on the other side of the page uh, that I'm using as I'm doing it. And then when you're finished, you can hand the person the book. Because now that they've had the explanation, they can use the book. One of the main reasons why I do this is because the night I got saved, I went home, and on the way home, I said to my mother in the car, tonight I got saved. And she said, that's nice. What does that mean? And I didn't know. I could tell her what I did. I repented of my sins, asked Jesus Christ to save me. I could give her those things. Couldn't give her a scripture verse because the guy had done this a bit in his Bible and showed me different verses and I'd read them, but 
I didn't know where they were. When I started reading the Bible, I started in Genesis. It took me a long time to get to Romans, to find those verses, uh, to share with people and things. But that is excellent. And I have led a little girl to the Lord, maybe nine or ten years old. And uh, her friend came along just about the time we were about to pray. It's a normal distraction that happens a lot. Another thing to get it off the rails, to get her not to make the decision. But she said, no, this is what I want to do, and told her friend, just pray with us. And the friend closed her eyes, and we prayed, and she asked Jesus Christ to save When she said amen, she whipped that booklet out of my hand, and she said to her friend, look what I did. And I had to leave, because I teared up, because she was doing such a good job. And that's all... Uh, as um, Stimbisu was trying to get last night in his message, just tell people about Jesus. You don't have to tell him all the great things about him that you don't know yet. Just tell him what you know and tell him you know, what he did for you. That guy that, that went back to Decapolis and published it, what did he know? He knew that I was demon-possessed. And Jesus came, and he took those demons out. He was more powerful than they were. He's the most powerful person in the world, and he saved me. And he told me to tell you. And so that's what I'm doing. Maybe he eventually got hold of a scroll or something and read more about it and, and you know, got some more information uh, to help him along the way. My wife is having... Uh, not a nervous breakdown, but a, 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 you know, she's all worried about she has to teach a Sunday school lesson tomorrow. Ask her how many Sunday school lessons she's taught in her lifetime. But you know that tomorrow when she steps in that class of 10 children, she will be speaking on behalf of God. That is an awesome responsibility. Those children will believe what she tells them. I went to Sunday school. I only went the week before the Sunday school picnic. Because if you didn't go the week before the Sunday school picnic, you didn't get invited to the Sunday school picnic. And my granny was in church, and I don't know if she used it as an opportunity to get me into church, but she'd always let me know when the Sunday school picnic was so the week before I could go. But one of those Sunday school teachers told me the story of Cain and Abel and said Cain brought rubbish and Abel brought the best. And so for 17 years or however many years of my life, as long as I gave good things to God, God would accept me. And if I did give rubbish to God, then God would reject me. That's not the story of Cain and Abel. You've got to go read the story of Cain and Abel. And of course, when I got saved at 17, it's only like four chapters, four days into my salvation, I read the story of Cain and Abel and said, They lied. Now I was saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I understood what Cain brought and what Abel brought, and I also understood there was no blood. And I didn't find that out until I got to Hebrews. Officially. But that's the Holy Spirit. He's there, and he teaches, and he's doing, and he is doing the work. Don't ever think it's you. It's never going to be you. But be as best prepared as you can be to do what you are given an opportunity to do, whether it's to present the gospel, speak to somebody, whatever it is. And don't be frightened to ask God. 
You know, when God says, speak to that person over there, don't say, no, I'm not going to like Jonah. Say this, what do you want me to say? And you know, it's amazing, but God will give you what he wants you to say. Uh, in, in the book of Acts, when the, when the people were going to be held up in court uh, for their faith, uh, G, uh, Jesus told them, don't, don't pre-prepare what you're going to say. Just go and, and you know, open your mouth and I'll fill it with words. But I can tell you from an evangelistic point of view, if you open your mouth, God will fill it with words. If you are allowing him to use you to, to speak and to, to share with people. And you know, God tells people funny things. He doesn't tell always about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's not the only information people need to know. I told one guy once that hell was a dark place. He wasn't going to enjoy life with his friends because there's no light there. He was also an electrical engineer, and he said, oh, how can it be dark with all that fire around in hell? I said, well, I don't know, but you and I both know that sulfur burns without giving off any light. End of the conversation. That guy was walking around with a New Testament in his hand at work down the road. But my part wasn't the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mine was hell's a dark place, and you're not going to enjoy life with your friends. And that tiny little bit of information added to whatever else God was doing, because God is doing the work. Don't ever think that we don't, or we are, and, and you know we just do the best we can in sharing it. All right, so we want to pictorialize the gospel. A picture, I, I, I do these open-air drawings because a picture says a thousand words. Um, I, I love this one. I just got it. It's a Gospel of John. They're pretty new. It's print out, put out by Beacon of Truth. But this is what I like about it. In the front part of it, it's got the Gospel, but it's pictorialized as it's explained. And so uh, a great asset. And then, of course, all the verses, the, the Gospel of John itself at the back. So a great, a great tool. And, uh, you know, churches love to give away tools. I mean, if you walk out here, there's tracts, there's all sorts of things. I, I give tracts to people in Joburg that says, how do you get to heaven from Whitbank? I say, well, if you want to just cross out the word Whitbank and write your own name, town name in there or whatever. You know what I mean? But it's a tract and it's not one that I have often. And I often give the same tract to the same person. And so, you know, when I get a different one. Uh, how about, do you know that there's five things that God does not know? You know that? Can you imagine that God does not know something? Yeah, you see, we all think that God does not know something. People will take this tract because they want to know what God doesn't know. All right? And there are five things that God doesn't know. You want to know, you have to come get a tract. All right, Levi knows because he read the tract already. <laughs> um, my, my art teacher realized very soon that I could not draw. I have no aptitude to draw. Uh, I have no, I don't know what it is. I don't even know why I can't draw. I just can't. If she knew that I preached on the street doing drawings, she'd die. I mean, I mean, I went into art class, they would start a new drawing, I would do something on the piece of paper, 
And then she would make me collect the drawings from everybody and put them in the drawing space. And I always take mine and stick it in a different space. And then next week I'd hand out all the drawings and mine would be missing. And so she would send me into that room to find my drawing and I would go through all the classes. Occasionally I'd actually find it, have to move it to a new space. <laughs> but I never did an art drawing. I did pass art with the lowest possible mark you could get. But I think pretty soon she said, this guy's got no chance. Don't be frightened about what you draw to pictorialize the gospel. doesn't matter what you draw. You're drawing in the minds of the people. So the pictures help. I, I, I did an open air once and left the pens at home. Went into the CNA and tried to buy pens in the CNA. These are not very readily available, these big thick ones that I use. Um, and uh, tried with my ballpoint pen. Didn't really make a mark much. And so I preached the message to nine people with my finger. And at the end of the message, there were eight people. Eight of the original nine, because they could see the drawing. There was all sorts of things in the drawing. and They, were, they followed the story. Nobody joined the message. Well, they couldn't see the picture. <laughs> they thought we were mad. <laughs> but uh, the, the others all got involved. Simple, quick, illustrate. That's a great tool. On that small piece of paper, we have uh, attention. That's to do with this part of your body. The next one is interest. If I'm not doing something interesting, they'll move away. So that's one of the reasons why I have the magic trick or you have an illustration. Uh, oftentimes, after an open-air meeting, I would say to somebody, have you seen this? Most people say no because they haven't seen it. I say, can I show it to you? And most people will say yes, especially if they are interested or have been, they've been listening to the message, and then I have an opportunity to go through the booklet and actually present the gospel to that specific person, answering that specific person's question. And answering the questions is definitely a, a big part. Um, they're not going to ask you horrible big questions, but they do have, you know, like, why don't they say this to, why didn't I hear this in my church? That's a big question. It happens often. I never heard this in my church. A lot of times people think they just missed it. You know, they were in church and they did, they were telling the people, but they didn't, they didn't understand. Because when you see the light, it's the first time, isn't it? <laughs> and so you are seeing it for the first time. So yeah, maybe I did miss it in my church. A lot of times they go back to their church and then after weeks they find that there's no food there. I'm not getting anything. And then I send them a Bible study in the post and they say, oh, this is like a meal, you know. And then they say, okay, where can I, where can I find this meal more regularly? And then maybe they'll be interested in moving uh, to another place. But uh, people are curious, and, and this kind of a drawing holds people's curiosity because what's that for? Now, what's he, what's he going to write? What, what am I going to write over here? You know? And a lot of people will leave the open-air meeting when you put in the last thing. So one of the things they teach you in an open-air situation or in a classroom situation is don't put down the pen. You don't know that I'm not going to do it again. I do. 
But if I'm holding it in my hand, you think there's still something coming. So then I get a chance to share a little bit more. And by the way, I am a terrible magician. Because I talk too much. I'm very easily caught in the trick that I do because I'm not trying to do a trick. I'm trying to present the gospel. (laughs) The trick is a byproduct of holding people's attention and interest. So if I get your attention, you know, a loud bang will get your attention, won't you? Won't it? Bang! And everybody looks to see what made the noise. But if there's an accident, then you have interest. But if it was a backfire of a car, you've lost interest. So you've got to be interesting in what you present. So in your prayerful planning, this is something that you need to, to think about and, and add or bring into your Sunday school class or whatever it is that you have an opportunity to do. By the way, the proportions are almost inconsequential in this kind of a drawing. You can see my pig is nearly as big as my building. It doesn't make any difference because the building is part of this story, the pig is a part of this story. You know, they, they, they're not, you know, you don't have to, your drawing doesn't have to look symmetrical and whatever. You know, it's nice to have a bit of color in it, things to help people to see. Right, in the different kinds of lettering that you do, this, all of this here, you can see I didn't write the lettering, I put the lettering on your page so you could finish it up on the left-hand side, right-hand side for you. Um, and the, the, the lettering, it's easy to remember or to do the same kind of strokes when you, in your simplicity, speed, and surprise. You know, so on this one, all the horizontal strokes were missing. So then... I can all the horizontals. And then the next one, they all down. So it's just down, 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 and then I'm done. All right? And sometimes it's always good. A lot of, I did a lot up here, was to make one letter look like another letter. So the R's look like P's, and the E's look like L's or F's. So then you are trying to make letters, words with F, and then it's actually an E, and then when I change it, then it changes the thing. Um, but remember that, that I got your attention, uh, um, I'm trying to hold your interest. Now I'm, I'm moving to concern. Can I move your interest, which has got to do with your brain, intellect at the bottom, on the other line there you could put intellect, the, the mind. Uh, I'm trying to hold your mind, but I'm trying to move from your mind to your heart because that's concern. So can I show you that you're a sinner? Can I show you that God has a plan? That he's real. And, and uh, this week I went into the prisons and uh, one of the men, I, I, I always ask the people if they have any questions. Because I want to preach related to what you are asking about. And a guy said, can you tell us about life after death? So I said, sure. And I started with uh, the Old Testament and uh, paradise and how paradise is not there anymore because now we go to heaven and heaven and how do we get to heaven how did we get to heaven? That was where I majored. Uh, did the packet illustration to show people how they get there and what, what they need to get there from and all of those sort of things. And, uh, and then went on to tribulation and the rapture and end and God. And, and, you know, but God knows what he's doing. He knew what he's doing here and here and here and here. He, he's got a plan. This is not an accident. This is going according to the train line. It's running according to the track that God has set for it to go. And, you know, out of that group of about 35 people, there were three or four people that were like, never heard that before. Hmm. You know? 
And then, of course, I have the Bible study, so I said, okay, take one of these if you want to know about salvation and go further. One guy said, what about God and Jesus is Jesus? I said, the second Bible study covers that very well. Get the Bible study. The second one covers that whole thing about the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, the Trinity. It's all covered in, in that Bible study. I'm not off track. You know, I got him back where I wanted to go, and I'm going this way. And, and I've, I've helped you, given you a resource. It's there. Next week, you'll have all the answers that you look for. And if it doesn't answer enough, come back. We'll talk about it next week. No problem. So, you know, try to have available. Uh, this is my evangelism case. And I, I take it with me everywhere I go. And I hate taking people with me that use my evangelism case. I keep trying to get people to get their own evangelism case. You know, why must you, you know, uh, Pastor Mark, I need a John and Romans. Pastor Mark, I need a tract. Where's your tracts? Where's your, you know, be ready. Bring your case. Bring, you know, bring all the bits that you need. If, if one of those other evangelists had to come ready to preach the night that I left my pens at home, I could have borrowed his pens. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is a small version uh, of it. This is what I take into the prisons with me. And uh, it has my magic tricks in it. And it has uh, pens, it has packets for the packet industry. But you do, you know, the Bible says be ready always to give a hope, uh, an account of the hope that lies within you. And that's, it doesn't say, you know, tell them everything about Jesus. It's only to tell the hope that lies within you. Why do you have hope? What did Jesus do for you? Share that with somebody. The testimony of the saints, it's very important. Okay, ladder lettering um, is great, particularly in the open air, because nobody knows what's coming. Uh, evangelism for me has evolved. Um, this is typically what I would take into the prison now. Okay, one, I can go to two sections and preach on the same day, because I just have a little rubber in that bag, and I rub off the stuff and go to the next section and do it again. But you notice that there's a couple of letters written in here. All right, that's because... Ladder lettering is so confusing to some people, they can't see it. And I'm preaching, and I'm going along, and I'm like, I don't know, one or two points into my message, and then somebody suddenly sees the word and says, look, it says power. <laughs> you know? And he becomes a complete distraction because he's showing everybody <laughs> what the words are because look, it says words. And, you know, so by... By putting this up like this, people, you know, if you, if you suddenly come over and you see this, then you, you, the first thing you try to do is read it. If there's nothing written there, if you watch me write, then what do you read? You read what I write, but I'm writing negatively if I'm using these blocks, and so you can't read what I'm writing. You've got to read what I leave behind, <laughs> And it's just, too, it's just too confusing. So by having some of it in like this when I start, then people already can see the words or have read this. So when I add words, then they keep reading in the same fashion and along it goes. And of course, the laminations uh, help me to reuse it. And uh, I made a blank one on the back so that I can change or preach something else or do something else. And then I I'll often play games with them in the prison to attract people's attention. I play a game, a number game or whatever, and then they come over and I use that for that part. 
But the concern needs to go to the application, and the application is always the message itself, the gospel, how you're presenting it, what you actually want to say. And then the last point on that thing is the response. So you are preaching for a response. You're not preaching just for the sake of preaching. Now, I realize that 90% of what I do is sowing seed. I'm not a reaper in a big sense. I sow much more seed than I ever reap. But I do reap. I do get those people that God has worked on somewhere else. One day I preached an open-air message. We finished the message. The drawing board was packed away. The drawing board was standing like this. The, the title of the message on that day was, Lord, teach us to number our days. So it's standing like this on the side of the pavement on the ground, and a man walked past, and he read the title. And he stopped, and he came over, and he talked to us. And he got saved. His wife had been praying for him and ministering to him and trying to get him saved for over 10 years. And that title, God just used those words, which was the word of God, uh, to arrest him and, and, and he got saved. And so both uh, Lou Finney and I said, so what are you going to do now? He said, I'm going to go home and read my Bible. We said, that's a great thing. That's fantastic. Um, and, and yes, it's what you should do. But what's the first thing you're going to do? I'm going to pray. Man, this guy's got the whole, you know, he's got all the teaching down pat. And he, after about four of these, what are you going to do first, first, first? He said, oh, I'm going to tell my wife. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, both of us, I'd like to be a fly on the wall. And he walks in there and says, oh, honey, hi, honey. I got saved today. <laughs> quite, a, quite a situation. Um, so, again, don't forget pencil before paint if you try to do this ladder lettering. Pencil it all in and practice. It is very easy to make a mistake. Remember that it's negative, so you are writing what you normally would not have. Isn't it interesting, God helped me in that when I was in the army, my job was a radar operator. And so I stood behind a glass board, okay, an old radar operator, not a new one. I stood behind a glass board, and they relayed information to me, and I wrote on the board the information. But because I was standing behind it, I had to write on it backwards so that the people that were that side of the glass board could read what was written there, and they didn't have to read it backwards and decipher it. And then God taught me that a little. So it's just along the way. So the only letters uh, to watch out for is the I and the M and the W. The I needs to be a smaller block, and the M and the W need to be a little bit bigger to fit all the strokes in that you need. The Q is very difficult because it doesn't stick outside the lines. Q makes a line out of the circle, and we can't do that in our ladder lettering, so the Q is a little difficult, but only Stimbisa would have that problem because he works with Portuguese people and they have a lot of Qs. But the rest of us are okay. Right, so that's a little tool that you could have to use if you wanted to do something in your Sunday's class that was a little different or have an opportunity. The first messages that I ever preached like this, how many of you are old enough to remember Standard Bank's little cardboard cards that came out the ATM machine? Yeah, very old people. 
little cardboard card, little square about this size, uh, in, came out the ATM machine, and uh, I used to get them, and uh, I would draw my drawings. People would say, uh, at that time, I was working down in Mashadadorp at the chrome smelter, and uh, they said, um, what did you do on the weekend? I said, oh, let me show you. And I would draw my message on that little card, or I'd already have my message drawn on that little card in my pocket, so that when they asked me, I could say, let me show you. And I hold it out, and I preached my message with a ballpoint pen on that tiny little card. And my whole drawing was there, and the ballpoint pen fills it in just perfectly, and that's what I did on the weekend. People say, oh, that's amazing. Wow. They're interested in seeing how the card develops into a picture as well, and so I had an opportunity to share the gospel with quite a few people that specific way. Then they stopped asking me what I did on the weekend. That's all right. Um, but remember that you are sowing seed, and you know the sower goes out and he sows the seed. Some falls on the path and it's lost. Some gets tangled by the world. Some gets, you know, the rocks springs up, but then fades away as soon as the trials come. And then there's that that goes on to good ground. And some brings forth, you know, thirtyfold. Some brings forth a hundredfold. And so. Obviously, we'd love them all to be on that hundredfold ground. <laughs> but pray that way, because that's what God is doing. God is doing the work, so let God do it. And do your part. It's just, I mean, sometimes it feels like an insignificant part. You know, you know when my ministry is the most significant? When I come to Whitbank Church or go to another church and present what I'm doing. Otherwise, it's just work. You know, I, I get up and I go to the prisons and I have trouble with the waters and, you know, and do pray for us. The prison has opened. I'll, I'll share more about it tomorrow. Um, but the waters are, they're not only loafers. They're now only there 50% of the time because the other 50% of the time they're loafing at home. But then the way that they control that is by locking the prisoners in their cells and then... I have no access to them when they're inside the cell and the door's locked. So I get Bible studies handed to me through the windows. But, but tomorrow morning I'll, I'll tell you a lot more about that and, and what we do uh, in our ministry. Are there any questions? We do have uh, uh, hecklers in the open air, those that want to disrupt or interrupt, okay, like, like Clive was explaining. Um, my part in an open air meeting, if you came with me to an open air meeting, at the end of the meeting, if there's a heckler or a, somebody that's been giving us a hard time, the only person he's interested in is me. So he'll come over to me, and you counsel with all the people that are interested. And I will keep him out of your hair. So that guy that got saved, you know, the guy talked to him and talked to him and talked to him, but when everybody was finished counseling, then his job was done. So then he quoted the Bible verses, and the guy left. And so... You know, don't worry about that. They, they don't go for you. They'll go for the preacher or the main, the main guy, the leader or something along that kind of line. Yes? Okay. So I, I use the good thing. I used it on Hendrik. <laughs> I use it on anybody. Um, and you, you'll be shocked at how many people will tell you, I'll say, how are you? they say, I'm good. And I'll 
I'll say, no, you're not. And they will look shocked. What do you mean? No, you're not good. I said, you might look good and you feel good. Sometimes I say, you look good and you feel good, but you are not good. And a lot of times, anybody that's Christian or in that realm will say, oh, yes, you're right. But a lot of people will say, no, I'm good. I say, are you sure? 100% all the time. And that, by the way, is also the answer to that one that you asked about, um, but I'm a good person all the time. So you've never lied. You've never, uh, you know, coveted or, you know, you just have to go through the few, few of the Ten Commandments and they're in trouble. Okay, so then actually it's for those ones that we're concerned. Um, you know, but often to that person, then I incorporate somebody else. You know, I'll say, uh, let me ask this cashier if you're good. No, 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 don't ask her. <laughs> ask this person, but don't ask that person. I'm fighting with that person, but not this one. You know? And so, yeah, so then we're into, you're not good, but there is someone, you know, and even Christians, they'll say, no, but, but I have Jesus. I said, so Jesus made you good. No. <laughs> so, right, Jesus made you saved. But you're not good. You're still a sinner. I said, I'm still a sinner. I'm a pastor and I'm a sinner. But I'm saved by grace. And then I can go into a packet illustration from there if there's time. A lot of time, there's not time. You know what I mean? You, yeah, so if you've got a tract, you can hand them a tract. If, you, if, you you know, you know, if you're in a queue, the next person's got to be served. So you know, you've got to vacate and you can't go further. So try to, you know, try to leave them with something that they can then uh, come back to you on or come around. Uh, the Bible studies are, I cannot tell you how fantastic the Bible studies are. Everybody should do them. And everybody should, I don't know, have some to hand to somebody else. Really, it's like a four-page tract, the first one. I give out 50 of those in the prison to get three back. So I'm giving out 50 a week at least. And I'll be lucky if I get three, five back out of it. But... You know, when you give something out in the prison, how many people read it? Because I try to give a Bible study to somebody, and they say, no, I've already read this. I said, yeah, but you didn't fill it in. So take this one now. This is your one. Fill it in and bring it back. Because he read one that was lying in the cell. Maybe it was discarded in the cell, but otherwise his friend had it. And so then, and then um, Jan Mameja, the major guy that got saved out of the prisons, he got a Bible. He, he was a good Samaritan. He helped other people who didn't have the language fill in their Bible studies <laughs> until he started doing his own Bible study. And now he's a pastor helping other people <laughs> doing the same, same thing. Any other questions? Well, I did promise that I would do a magic trick, so I've got to keep that promise. Is my time up? Okay, so if you don't want to see the magic trick, you are free to leave. Uh, sorry, I was just going to show you how people will stay for a magic trick. All right, are you watching? All right, I have these three ordinary pieces of rope. All right, this one is exactly the same length as this one, and this one is exactly the same length as this one. You disagree, Levi? Are you sure? 
You're very sure. All right, this rope is, in mathematics, is as long as it is from this end to this end, right? In mathematics, is this rope not as long as it is from this end to this end? Yes. And this rope is as long as it is from this end to this end. And this rope is as long as it is from this end to this end. If each rope is as long as it is from one end to the other end, therefore they must be the same length, right? All right, no, because mathematics says you must make the ends come out even. All right, so that's what I'm doing here. I'm dividing them up in my hand, putting all the ends together. Now they're all even. Okay, now I do this magic trick for a reason, and the reason is I want everybody in the world to know that when God looks down from heaven, he sees us all exactly the same. He doesn't see any difference in color, wages, clothes. He looks at the heart. And the Bible tells us that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so we're all in the same boat. There's none good. There's none that seeketh after God. But there are two kinds of people in the world. Those that have and those that do not have. Not financially. These people have a savior these people do not have a Savior. God sees them all the same, but when they die, some will go to heaven and some will not. Let me explain that to you. Now, Levi, didn't I tell you these ropes were the same length? One, two, three. Three ropes, all exactly the same length. All right. Now, that's how God sees us, remember? But when we look at each other, we look at one person and we say, ah, look at that person over there. He's done a little bit wrong. You know, a churchgoer, just a few sins. Surely God will let him into heaven. The answer is no. One sin separated Adam and Eve from God in the Garden of Eden. So one sin is one sin too many. Other people in this world think that God's got a scale. They think God's going to put all the good things on one side that you do and all the bad things that you do on the other side. And if when you die, there's a little bit more good than bad, you get to go to heaven. But if there's more bad than good, you'll end up in that other place, the place called hell. But I've read the Bible for a number of years and God does not use a scale to measure your good deeds against your bad deeds. By the way, how many good deeds pay for a bad deed? You know it doesn't work. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for God. All right, now if a guy with a little bit of sin doesn't get into heaven, and a guy with an average amount of sin doesn't get into heaven, how does a guy like this get into heaven? Because he's got so much sin. But you know, heaven is full of these people. Because when you know that you're a bad sinner, you look for a solution. And if you look for a solution, there is a solution available. The solution is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, whether it's a small amount of sins, an average amount of sins, or a whole lot of sins. He paid the penalty for all our sins. But we have to allow him to do it. It's not automatic. So will you choose today to allow Jesus Christ to pay for your sins? All right, Mr. Clark. Ah, they clap for me. Eh? They, they didn't clap for you. <laughs> so, 
before we finish, thank you all for coming. I just wanted to clarify the purpose of the evangelism workshop. We did it last year. We're going to do it again next year. We're going to do it every year. And my hope with this, my intention with this, was to remove as many barriers as possible that you might have in sharing the gospel with someone. If your barrier was, I'm on an airplane, I'm on a bus, I'm on a taxi, I'm waiting for the train to come, and I feel a burden to share the gospel, and all I have with me is a notepad or a slip or something, I'm afraid that they might not stay long enough for me to say what I have to say. I hope this helps you, and I'm sure it will. What if your, your barrier was, I don't know how to memorize the gospel. Uh, what if I don't have anything except my Bible? What my, my fear is that I won't remember enough to present the gospel. Last year, we learned about the Romans Road. We learned about writing your own testimony. If you have nothing else, your testimony is more than enough. <clears throat> Last year, we looked at that. We're trying to remove as many barriers as possible, as many fears, as many insecurities as possible for you to share the gospel. If your fear is there is somebody at work and they hate me because I'm a Christian. But I'm scared that they might have a question that I'm not ready to answer. Should that be a barrier for you to not share the gospel? Then I hope that you learned something from me today. <laughs> and we're going to continue this in the years to come. And we're going to do something else next year. That, And hopefully we can... We can all get to a place where we can confidently share the gospel no matter what the situation requires and, and um, where you find yourself. My, my gospel presentations, my, um, my evangelism um, uh, is in a very different way than um, Pastor Mike and Pastor Stimbiso. Um, I, I, I sit down with people and... Um, often for two and a half, three hours, ask Lindy. <laughs> um, and they have questions. They have questions and questions and questions. And they're all sincere questions. But I have to be ready to answer them. So I hopefully I taught you something from my own experience. Uh, maybe it was too complicated <laughs> for today, but let it then just be a starting point. Um, and if, if you find yourself stalking to a stranger and all you have is one minute, I, I hope that we can learn something from that as well. So expect this to be a regular thing that we're going to do every year. And, uh, we'll, yeah, that's my, that's my hope. That's my intention with this. And, uh, and so thank you for, um, for that, and uh, we're going to pray. Dear Lord, we, we do thank you for those willing to step outside of their comfort zone to, to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, Lord. Your, your gospel 
is more important than our insecurities. I pray that for those here that we can address some of that in a practical way, but that, Lord, most of all, you give us a yearning to share the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.